You mentioned briefly the consequences for not taking these exams. If you're doing well and getting gigs, your competitors are watching you. And so they if they go on to that airman registration portal on the FAA and see that you're not current, that's where you and they report you, that's where you get in trouble. Welcome back to another episode of Your Drone Questions Answered. Today we're answering the question, what license do you need to start making money with your drone? Today I'm joined by Kara Murphy. She's a commercial drone pilot, photographer, writer, and contributing writer for DP Review. Kara, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Well, first of all, Kara, I just want to know a little bit about you, your background with drones, particularly how you're making money with drones. So I started flying drones for fun in 2014, and I lost the first one I borrowed on its third flight. It was a DJI Phantom 1. Uh, I didn't look at it uh, career-wise until late 2016 when Drone 360 magazine asked me to start writing for them. And then in January 2017, I got my first commercial job, my first paying job. And this was shooting the Embarcadero buildings in downtown San Francisco for a filmmaker. And I had to pass a certain test that we're going to talk about today in order to make money, um, turn a profit using my drone. Since 2017, I have worked with a variety of clients, big and small, my business is Kara E. Murphy Imagery, and it's a combination of aerial photography for clients, videography. I also sell some of my personal work as prints, and then I am a contributing writer for DP Review, and I um, have some clients that I do social media marketing for as well. The idea is to stay out of an office and stay flexible since I have a 12-year-old daughter. You stay busy, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're the right person to answer this question. So let me just go ahead and throw it out there. Um, what license do you need to start making money with your drone? So to start making money with your drone, you need to pass the Part 107 exam. Accepting money and flying for profit without my certification being current, I could be fined in excess of $30,000 for each violation. And you do not want that, obviously. I did not have a background in aviation. I got into flying drones because I did photography and I wanted to expand to aerial photography. So I didn't know anything about sectional charts and any other aviation rules that other people um, who came from the aviation world might have been familiar with. You can't just cram for the part 107. It's not like college where, okay, you know, it's two hours before the test. I'm just going to cram in this information and hope for the best. It's not how this works. And also you don't want to cram and just hope that you pass because this is your career and you have to be knowledgeable and passing the part 107 that doesn't mean, okay, I'm done. I don't need to learn anymore. I don't need to do anything. You are always learning. You are always iterating. Because when you get out on the field and if something um, goes awry or if there's an emergency, you better know what to do. Um, one question I have is just kind of between the two exams, the Part 107 and then the recurrent exam that you will be taking every, every two years afterwards. Um, is there a difference in intensity between those? Is the recurrent exam a lot, a little lighter than the part 107 or are they both essentially kind of the same? 
Well, I wouldn't say they're essentially the same. So the part 107 is a big hurdle because you are going in to a testing center. You mm-hmm. don't have, when you take the online recurrent, you can pop up, you can pop up a window and you know Google something if you're looking at a question. Uh, when you take the part 107, all you can bring into that testing center is a valid ID proving that it is you taking this mm-hmm. test. And you can bring a magnifying glass because of the 60 questions that are, are asked on the part 107, at least a third of those involve sectional charts. And if you've looked at a sectional chart, there's tiny little figures on there. You may need a magnifying glass to see um, what it is you are looking for, uh, what kind of information you are trying to find. So um, part 107 is definitely more intense. You get 60 questions. You need a 70% to pass. So that's like a C minus um, if you think of it that way. So you have up to 18 questions to get wrong. And that means, you know, if you do the math, you have to get 42 of those 60 questions right in order to pass the first time. Now, the good news is uh, if the facts and figures are accurate, I think they say like between 90 and 95 percent of test takers pass their first time. You get three multiple choice questions um, of these 60 questions. And so I always tell people if you feel stumped, there's always one that is obviously wrong. Eliminate that and then you have a 50-50 chance of getting the question right. But again, you are sitting there, you are in an exam room, there's no internet on these computers, there's nothing to look for. Mm -hmm. So you have two hours. It took me about an hour, but they do give you two hours to go through and double check um, the person at the PSI testing center administering the exam is going to walk uh, walk in there with you and just walk you through really quickly how you select the proper answers and everything. And um, once you're done, you wave your hand. They come in and uh, they click a button and then it calculates your score. So you know right there whether you have passed or failed. They give you a printout and it doesn't end there. You do have to go to IACRA. IACRA is basically where you go in and register and you tell them that you have passed your exam. And this starts the process of getting you that UAS card that you show um, saying, stating that you are a certified remote pilot. So you need to d- take that extra step because if you do get a- approached um, either by a client or an authority figure or anything, this is also your way to prove that, yeah, I am part 107 certified. So it's a little bit more intense. The online recurrent exam, not as intense. Um, it's 45 questions. Both tests have questions on flying at night, I believe. Um, Both tests have questions on hazardous attitudes, but the 45 questions, you don't look at any sectional charts in this one. It's just a basic list from top to bottom. And you have to score 100% on the recurrent exam, but you have three opportunities to get that question right. So you go through the first time, it's gonna show you exactly the questions that you got wrong. You go back and you select another option. And then once you hit 100%, congratulations, you have passed the recurrent exam. And now you can also fly at night under Part 107 without having to apply for a waiver. That's great. So this is this is really important. This is a really important exam to take. 
You mentioned briefly the consequences for not taking these exams. If you are operating um, a drone for profit and you are accepting money and you are not current, so let's say maybe you passed your Part 107 two years ago and those 24 calendar months are up and now you're just like, oh, whatever, I already passed it. I know my stuff. But someone asks and you cannot prove because the FAA keeps track of it in their system. You can go to the airman's database and you can look up anyone's first and last name and see if they are current with their certification. And so let's say a client just looks you up and, oh, they, they're not current, you know, and they're disgusted by that. And they say something to the FAA or even if a competitor uh sees that you're out there making money and maybe you're getting more business than than them and they look and find out again the FAA if they come after you that is a $30,000 fine per violation so it's not just one blanket 30,000 wow yes this so is don't a, do it yeah if you're if you're doing well and getting gigs your competitors are watching you and so they, if they go on to that airman registration portal in the FAA and see that you're not current, that's where you, and they report you, that's where you get in trouble. But and it's also just ethically running a business. It's the right thing to do to stay current, to ensure that um, you know what you are doing because you are flying an aircraft that has the potential to damage property or possibly injure someone. And so um, it's good to know this stuff. Just just stay current. And it's easier than ever now. I mean, I tell people if I took the part 107 three times in person and then immediately after went and got my online recurrent exam, you can do it one time. And now you have that luxury of taking the online recurrent. It's, it's that easy. And the recurrent is easier, um, to be fair, even though you do have to get a perfect 100% score. When you think about these testing centers, are they pretty accessible? I mean, would somebody have a hard time finding a center or have to travel far to get to a center to, to take a test? When I was taking them, I think there were 800 centers around the country. A PSI testing center, they administer tests for a lot of different uh, things. It's not just a remote pilot exam. There's people looking to get certified in cosmetology. They have IT certifications. Um, there's a whole row of computers and there are barriers between them. Um, there is someone who sits outside this testing center. They have cameras in there, so they monitor you, make sure you didn't sneak a phone in or you're not doing anything um, that you know, you're, not, you're not cheating. Um, but I just recommend to people, schedule it out in advance. And that is also going to motivate you to continue studying and just work that time into study and you won't be procrastinating. Because I, you know, I have a few friends right now, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen? And I said, just get the soonest appointment. Um, I never had a problem scheduling out two weeks in advance within a 50 mile radius myself. Um, I didn't have a problem personally, but I live out in West Michigan. I don't know if you're in a busy, a major metropolitan area. Now, I lived in the Bay Area when I took it for the first time in 2017. But even in 2017, there weren't nearly as many as remote, uh, nearly as many remote pilots as there are right now. So um, 
it, you know, I, I would just tell you if you want to pass it, see when you can schedule it and scheduling that, having that date on your calendar is going to motivate you to buckle down and study and go walk through all that material and make sure that you know it. Very important. Uh, before I let you go, is there any other tips you want to share with our audience and when it comes to this topic? You're, you're very knowledgeable. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I guess I've been doing it long enough. Um, no, I, I guess don't be nervous when you get in there because I'm a terrible test taker and I passed it all three times, but I just, you know, I, I kind of flash back to high school when I was taking the ACT and the SAT and just, you know, just clamming up and being nervous and just take a deep breath. And I would say, make sure you have two hours. So go back and just double check the answer because sometimes they will try to trick you. And I do believe um, the FAA throws in three extra test questions that they uh, are testing out for future exam use. Well, I, I really, really appreciate this. I mean, there you have it. It's, it's if you if you want to start making money with your drone, you need to take the Part 107 exam, and then you need to take the recurrent exam every 24 months. It's very important. Yes. Uh, Cara, Cara, thank you so much for joining me today, answering this question. It's important for our audience to know. Uh, and to our audience, if you have a drone question that you want answered, you can submit that question at ydqa.io, and we'll do our best to get that question answered for you. In the meantime, we'll just see you in the sky.